Uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Sean O'Rourke. Uh, I'd like to uh, call the uh, uh, Milton School Building Committee meeting to order. It's now 7.03. Um, we'll start with a roll call vote of uh, those uh, members that are attending. Uh, so I'll just call you off as I see in the, uh, in, in the uh, checkerboard. Uh, Glenn Hoffman. Here. Uh, Scott Tereshek. Present. Uh, Selena Miranda. Here. And myself, Sean O'Rourke, and Tim Lombard. Present. Perfect. All right. Um, so we've got our quorum. I know Aqua is going to be here uh, in a little bit. Betty's typically uh, running late when she comes back from school. Uh, similar from Mike, he was on some parent duty, but he's going to be uh, signing in in about 10 or 15 minutes. I think Kerry was the only one that confirmed she wasn't available tonight. Um, but we'll just get started with it. So the first thing on our, our agenda is uh, citizen speak uh, to reserve, you know, 15 minutes of time, uh, three minutes per speaker uh, for those that wish to uh, uh, discuss, you know, or speak. Uh, so, you know, by using the raise hand uh, icon at the bottom, uh, if anybody's w wishing to speak, uh, please raise your hand and we'll, we'll pull you up. And seeing none. All right, so move on. Um, second thing on the agenda is review and approval of minutes. Um, so I know we were uh, behind a couple couple meetings, but I got out the minutes for August 29th and September 2nd. Uh, Glenn, I got the ones that you sent for October, but I didn't get a chance to distribute to everybody. So we'll pick those up at our next meeting. No problem. Uh, so just based on those two, which were August 29th and September 2nd, um, I don't know if anybody had any comments, edits, or anything like that. And if none, uh, entertain a motion to approve. So moved. All right. Do I hear a second? Second. Second. All right. All right. We'll do a roll call vote for that. Uh, Glenn? Yes. All right, Scott? Yes. Uh, Selena? Yes. And Tim? I vote to approve. And Sean, yes. Perfect. All right. Uh, all right. Next on the agenda, moving quickly. Uh, old business. So first thing on old business is uh, the BSC survey work. Uh, so with us tonight from uh, BSC is uh, uh, Dominic Rinaldi. Um, so Dominic was in charge of uh, the design of realigning Gow Road. So he, he had sent over the sketches today that I forward, not sketches, but actually design drawings um, for the realignment of that road. Um, the remaining work for BSC to kind of go over the uh, parcels so we can kind of know how much land in total of those options we're going to have. We're going to probably get those drawings early next week. And then once I get those, I'll distribute to everybody. Um, but for now, uh, you know, Dominic, do you mind if I bring up the drawings and just kind of walk us through the two things that were there? No, perfect. Sounds great. Yeah. Or, if, or if you want to present too, if it's easier for you to drive, let me know. Um, I mean, it might be just because sure. then I, I, I have the mouse and if, if that's all right. Uh, oh, yeah. Share screen. Yeah, let me just see if, how I make you a presenter. Seems to be 
just giving me the ability to do it. So uh, it's perfect. <laughs> Our friend at Old Nexus TV taking care of us. I appreciate that. Um, so first of all, good evening, Dominic Rinaldi, uh, senior civil engineer with with BSC Group. Um, so the two sketches are, are pretty similar, and um, you, you may have to actually look somewhat closely to see the difference. Um, the biggest difference is um, what we use for a, a buffer from the the adjacent wetland areas. Um, so this first one I have up here is based on the town's um, standard 25-foot no-disturb um, wetland buffer, um, basically just um, realigning the roadway to, to come further north uh, as close to the wetlands as we really can, or the wetlands, the 25-foot no-disturb. Uh, with the biggest pinch point, if you can see my cursor being um, up here in the very top of the page, um, and then re reconnecting back uh, right around the curve of the road as it as it goes around the the track. Uh, it from a a grading standpoint, it works out pretty well. It's it's we try we're matching the just to reference we're matching the cross section of the existing road. It's a 24 foot curb to curb with um, five foot sidewalk on the north side of it. Um, so that, that you're basically maintaining that that aspect of it. One sort of interesting, or at least to me, um, point of this is you're actually right now your existing road, um, while it conforms to AAB uh, Architectural Access Board standards. From the standpoint, it's an existing road. It is steeper than five percent, which is um, which is the steepest that that AB is is looking for sidewalks, um, and the nice part about this alignment, or one of the nice parts about this alignment, and frankly the other alignment we did is we actually managed to keep all of your slopes below five percent, um, so that at least this portion um, of the sidewalk is AAB compliant. So you can see we have very on the profiles just because of the way the grading is, the existing grades are, as you sort of come along this section, it's pretty flat. Um, there's there's a couple of low spots, and then we get up as we come through here uh, to about four and three quarter percent. Um, as I said, a couple of existing little spots, we didn't really mark them out on this yet, but um, conceptually from stormwater management, what we're thinking is just catch basins in the low spots and maybe a, a, a nice little bioretention area um, in this in this sort of notch where the wetlands pull back um, to to treat and infiltrate the stormwater runoff that would come from this. Um, the second version we sent, as I said, if you look quickly, it looks very, very, very similar. Um, this one is as per the request, uh, actually pushes that wetland buffer out to fifty feet. Um, so that we're not disturbing anything closer than 50 feet uh, to the wetlands. Very similar roadway, very similar profile um, based on the grades. It's just pulling it out, you know, not always 25 feet, but but about that. Um, the, the biggest difference between these two is really the space that you're getting in here. Uh, if, if you measure up the space between the existing road and the proposed road, this version with the 25-foot buffer gets you about 15,000 square feet more uh, land in, in, in that gap. Um, but other than that, 
functionally they're they're the same safety wise they're about the same um we kept the we kept the the alignment very simple you you could do a crazy alignment that really chases this wetland back and comes around but you really you're going to be spending a lot of money for very little return in that case and really frankly creating a, a terrible alignment for driving um so so this is kind of the approach we took um i don't know if anybody has any questions or wants to talk about this yeah i'll open up to anybody um you know on the on the committee uh or any other guests that um that we've invited uh, that have any questions uh, if so you just use the raise hand feature and then i can call on you yep scott thanks sean um i guess more comments than questions just just looking at it i think the from more of an engineering perspective, the 50 foot buffer just lays out a little bit better to me. They're, the slopes leading into our site are a little bit flatter. Like you look at the 25 here, right around where the cursor is, it gets pretty steep. But with the 50 foot buffer, it's pretty flat through there. Uh, plus we get the added square footage in that area. Um, and, the, and the 25 foot buffer option is slightly less of a slope too. So just a, a couple of slight things that I think make that a much better option in that option you're talking about scott's the 50 foot one the further one out right right not the one that's on the screen right now but the other one oh uh, this is the 50 foot that's the 50 the screen oh, i said they look really similar it's hard to tell <laughs> this is the 25 so the 25 yeah, so pulls out a little bit the inside of the turn the the slopes the yeah tying into the grades are a lot flatter there's not really a there's not really a, a ramp down from the road to the site and it just opens yeah. it up a little bit better. Yeah, you do because it's a little bit longer um, alignment, you you have the ability to, to pull that grade just a little bit flatter. Um, as I said, they both do um, at least nicely get below 5% on this steepest part, which does at least keep this portion of your sidewalk um, AAB compliant as opposed to now as you come through really here and honestly up here um you're you're not um but like you said it is a little the the 25 foot version gets it just a little bit flatter and like as you mentioned gets you i i i'm on honestly what mostly because i had looked at them from 10,000 feet i was kind of surprised by how much more area you get with this one so yeah. uh ada Um, I have a question about the retention area um, that you're talking about. Um, what would what would that be like um, from from the ground? Is that an underground structure or um, a low area where water would gather, or what? What do you have in mind? Yeah, I mean, what I have in mind is the second. It's a you know we call it by a retention area or a rain garden. Um, you know, generally we try to keep them maybe a foot of total depth um, and you'd have an, an, an outlet with an overflow. We try to keep the ponding to about eight inches, um, you know, really because you you put, whether you put in grasses or, or actually putting more ornamental vegetation too um, in these, you're putting things that are, are um, 
tolerant to in, uh, periodic inundation of, of water, but you don't want stuff. You, you don't want two feet of water in there, three feet of water. It's a relatively shallow basin that would, you know, like I said, basically be in this nook. Um, that's my personal option. They are really, you know, basically it's just a grading exercise to construct. They're easy to maintain. You periodically, you know, scoop some sediment out, you know, replace any, you know, older or dead vegetation and just sort of let it do it, let it do its thing. There are underground options if, if you all prefer that, um, you know, they work, they work just as well. They're proven, they're great products. We use them all the time, but on a personal basis, um, professional basis, I guess when we have some space like we would in here, um, I, I do find that the, the sort of surface features, particularly something like a bioretention area that's shallow. And for this application, it's not gonna be that big. It's, you know, it's gonna be maybe a couple hundred square feet in footprint. It's not gonna be huge. Thank you. So on, on, on that on that same note, I, you know, I had I had a couple of questions too, Dom. So sure. for you know the twenty five foot option, you know, as you noted for that bio retention well, if we went to the fifty foot option, does that create a larger, you know, area that we could utilize for that? Yeah, I mean, you're just further away, and um, so it's you you can sort of see if I could. yeah, yep. so you can sort of see that the twenty five mostly actually sort of jumps off the page up north there. You'd be talking about this area here and and frankly, really more this area because you want to keep it, um, you know, your, any maintenance you do is going to be done right from the edge of the road. Um, you know, we're not building something down way off the road. You want, to, you want it right up against the road. So you do end up with just because you physically have more space here. Um, but functionally, they'll both work fine, um, you know. So what are the other... One of the other things that might not be evident, you know, when you were looking at this too, is the wetlands to the left of your cursor, the vegetation that's down there. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a gentleman on our conservation commission actually found a, a very rare endangered plant species that I think exists down there. Um, so would any of that runoff cause any problems? Well, I, question, I know it is, it is a tough question, especially because I don't, I don't know what it is. And, and I would have to, even if I did, I, probably wouldn't know what it was, um, <laughs> to tell the truth, uh, right? I, I, I like to joke about plants. I, I know the white one is a, is, is a birch tree. Um, that's, uh, but so good. Uh, we, we certainly, if, if that's information you have about what it is, um, it'd be good to know. And, and we, you know, we, I could talk to our wellings and plants folks in house and, and we can figure out, um, but even as part of that, if it is, if that really is over here, um, another part of what you can do with, I mean, that is part of the point of the bioretention area is to get that treatment before it, it you're right, to promote infiltration and get the treatment before you discharge anything. Um, and you can design it if, if that very rare plant species is sort of confined to this area, you can design that overflow. So it really goes more to the Northeast, say, um, just is almost even if it wouldn't be something that would necessarily harm that plant you can go a little belt and suspenders and just sort of protect it that much more okay 
So there's definitely options on either front, depending on what exactly that is and what it needs, I guess. All right, uh, Bill, you're up. Yeah, hi, Sean. Sean, yeah, one question I would have though is file the snow removal with sand and rock salt. Are we gonna have any different restriction from the 25 to the 50? Because we we're getting so close to the wetlands there, uh, you know, when we have to move snow into that, you know, not, one thing you don't want to do is throw snow into the into the street because that makes it real difficult. So now you're throwing it into the wetlands. Is that going to be any bigger restriction versus the 25 versus the 50 hours? You definitely, I mean, a lot of that will definitely have to be discussed with your conservation commission, but you would, you would certainly have more, I mean, like you say, you certainly have more space. Oh, that's the 25, sorry. Oh, I bet it's, uh, I'm confused on it. You certainly have more space, uh, particularly, as I said, really this sort of northern point of the curve is is the pinch point on both of them. It's the closest we come in either option. Um, and you certainly get more space to push snow off the edge of this road, um, you know, there. Uh, I mean, they may be amenable to some options with, are, are you allowed to, does anybody know, can you, do you salt this now? Does, I don't know if anybody happens to know. Uh, yeah, we, you know, I mean, you know, obviously you have to say, I tell you what, we're very, you know, conscious about how we treat snow and ice. Yeah. You know, obviously we like to use a lot of sand, but sometimes... Yeah. You know, it becomes icy conditions are really tough. You know what I mean, and kids do walk that, people do drive that. You know, so uh, you know that's always a challenge. Any any type of maintenance. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean the the segue. Well, I don't have the section on here. It is you know it's it's this pretty much the same section. It's Crown Road, and the sidewalk is sloped back into the road at least. So the runoff from the sidewalk is going to go into the road, get captured and get you know whatever level of treatment um we're providing through the catch basins by retention area whatever we end up doing um but yeah you would have in, in this 50 foot option you would have a little more space there if that's going to become sort of a uh you know if that's going to become the the issue the biggest issue with the concom um you know they may push for this and and some other options though with this and it's tough. I mean, and I'm sure if, if any of you have dealt with with managing plowing, you know it's tough. But you could restrict plowing to not push off the edge in this area and just push it, whether I guess depending on which direction they're coming from, push it past there and then push it off the edge when you're further away. Yeah, it was it was it's just one of those questions that you know obviously yeah. I'm I'm in the I'm in the maintenance world so yeah. I, gotta deal, I have to deal with these things afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, and that is definitely going to come up in your discussions with the conservation commission. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, and taking notes on that, all this stuff too, Bill, because you know these are things we'll, we'll want their input on. You know, as yeah. part of these options. Um, one of the other ones, Dom, you know, in, in the parcel that we're creating, you know, between the new alignment and the yeah. existing alignment, you know, is most likely where we're going to end up, you know, locating the school. So uh, kind of along that path, are there any prohibitive, you know, portions of it to cut in uh, driveways and stuff like that, um, you know, uh, 
as you're looking at it. And it's it's more off the top of your head, you know. I, I mean, it's it's certainly easier, you know, as you come through here, um, you know, driveways sort of through this this stretch where not only is the the and both versions where not only is the alignment straight, but it's it's flat. Yep. It's it's a very shallow slope. So, you know, any anyone pulling out can look and see both directions for a good distance. I mean, I wouldn't it's not unheard of and it's not like it doesn't happen all the time, but I would attempt to avoid putting driveways up on this, this portion, just for that reason, as, as you're coming through the turn and you're coming through a curve. Yeah. Down a slope to a curve. Yeah. That's, that's not that it isn't done or can't be done, but your, your preference would be to have, you know, your, your, your at least your main access points. You could certainly, if you did, um, if the fire department wanted some like emergency circulation or something, you could certainly have secondary driveways or, or something like that over on this side, but but I'd push for this edge. Gotcha. All right. Any other questions from anybody on the committee? All right. Seeing none, um, you know, you know, Don, I appreciate it and uh um, and you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll look forward for those uh, boundary plans. You know, next yep. week and we'll we'll get into those on our next meeting. Yeah, so. and I'll I'll stop sharing. And certainly, if anybody thinks of anything, um, you know, post meeting, um, you know, Sean has my email, and whether you do it through him or or directly to me, I'm I'm happy to answer anything. So. Yeah. If if you know, on that note, if people do have questions, just forward them <clears throat> to me. And then I'll try to just gather them all, you know, dumb. So we're not yeah. you know, bombarding you with multiple emails back and forth. I can just put a list together and send it to you if anything came up. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, I'll all let right. you go, sir. All Thank right. you very much. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. All right. No problem. Take care, everybody. And I uh, hope everyone has a th happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so on to... Uh, next topic, uh, which is essentially uh, the Guile Road uh, update uh, for the land swap and stuff like that. Um, and just just a, a commenting note too. So for Secretary tonight, Aqua, uh, I took the notes up till you know you jumped on, but it's for you tonight. It was your turn to be Secretary. So if you just kind of capture it from here going forward, I'll email you my my minutes. Does that work? Will do. Thank cool. you. Thank you. All right. So, so in regards to uh, Guile Road, I, I did a, a presentation, uh, and Ada joined me this uh, past week uh, with the select board uh, for a request for a special town meeting. Uh, in February, and uh, you know, essentially to address um, the options, you know, that we've been discussing and stuff like that. So, um, as of right now, the, the select board has approved um, that that uh, special town meeting in February, and essentially it has a specific timeline associated with it. Whereas uh, we'll be getting our articles ready uh, essentially for January third. Um, and then essentially those articles would get 
approved by the select board and might jump in if I go wrong on any of this stuff in January. And then it would be presented to the Warren Committee. The Warren Committee would go through their exercises of reviewing it and approving it. And then essentially as the warrant gets approved, it will get sent out to the printer. I can pull up the exact dates, but to bring everything up, uh, Mike. Sean, thanks. The only add is um, uh, what the select board may choose to do on January 3rd is to approve uh, including the article in the warrant without necessarily taking a position on it. So, so, uh, so, uh, so if, if all the information isn't there by January 3rd, but the, the draft of the article is, is in place so that it can be um, submitted to the warrant committee, uh, that should be enough. All, you know, always better to have it fully baked. But uh, if there are some things that need to be tied up over the succeeding week after that, or maybe a week or possibly two weeks after that, then it seems to me we can probably do that. Okay. Yeah, because I went, I'm just pulling up the, I thought I had the exact dates. Yeah, so so just for everyone's um, uh, notice, um, you know, what the, what the specific dates were, uh, were December 8th and December 15th. It would be advertised in the Milton Times. Uh, January 3rd, the select board closes the warrant. Uh, on the 4th, they email those articles that Mike just talked about to the Warren Committee. Um, select on January 17th, select board approves the index page. Uh, on January 30th, the warrant goes to the printer. Uh, on February 6th, the printer gets delivered uh, to the post office. Uh, delivers the warrants to the post office. Um, February 10th, uh, warrants get posted into the homes and delivered. And then February 27th is a special town meeting. So just for everyone, I'll, I'll email that out to everybody too, so they have it. So essentially it's, it's, it's a decent amount of work that um, we'll need to work together as a committee, kind of going backwards, hit some specific marks. Um, you know, meetings with the Conservation Commission, school committee, um, parks department, uh, and then the Warren committee going forward after that to kind of um, go through a lot of that stuff. Um, my goal right now is hoping tonight BSC would have our overall um, plans done so we know the boundary surveys, but they promised them to me early next week. Uh, so essentially by our next meeting, we should have enough on there uh, to kind of digest and walk through them. Um, one of the things I, I got to think about too, I was thinking, I was hoping to have the uh, kind of a deep dive discussion tonight to go into the eight parcel options that we're looking at for them, um, just to kind of walk through them and, and look at them. Um, from the two options that were shown tonight for Gow Road, the realignment of that, it's we're gain, we'd be utilizing a little over three acres um, in that parks parcel, which is good news because you know originally when we went after this or you know came up with this idea, we weren't sure how much we were going to get. Three acres is fairly significant, um, and you know knowing we had six point eight acres before, um, my guess is we're going to end up somewhere around that same number. So if we've got three to three and a half acres on the parks land, we're probably gonna have three to, you know, three and a half on, on the conservation land, you know, down from 6.8 acres. So that's 
good news, you know, as far as tonight, the, the true hard numbers on that stuff we'll, we'll get next week. Um, but I just want to kind of open it up to folks to, you know, hear any comments or anything like that right now. No hands. Surprising. All right. So yeah, I mean, what once that um, once those those documents are, are prepped and sent out, I'll uh, I'll forward those on for um, for next week. All right. Any nothing else on that? All right. So next item on the agenda is an update on Fompon, uh, the the convent uh, that we looked at there. Um, so essentially with, with the convent, uh, I know Glenn and myself have been looking at it and stuff like that. Uh, so if you don't mind, Glenn, I'll let you just kind of take the floor for a minute, give your update of kind of what you found. Hi guys. Yeah, I just, I'll just give you a quite kind of an overhaul of what, what would happen if you did renovate this building. Um, it's definitely missing a few things that you, that are required by code. Um, the way they do the, even if we didn't expand the building at all and we just did a straight renovation of the building, I think it would still be a level three alteration, which means the whole building would be able to be brought up to code. Um, as far as meeting our needs, Sean's done some studies that I'll let him get a little bit more into that um, the building itself would not fill our needs unless we did say just an isolated, um, you know, early childhood type center. And even then you might need some expansion. But um, just some other observations after walking through the building. I already, as I already mentioned, I think it would, it's definitely gonna trigger full code compliance. And um, what that means is it's gonna need a full sprinkler system. It's gonna need an updated fire alarm system. Um, Massachusetts building code actually has seismic requirements for existing buildings. So that would be kicked in as well where seismic things would have to be updated within the building to um, make it structurally sound in case there was ever a, an earthquake. Um, as far as making the building functional with the structural things, um, I mean, Sean spoke extensively about that. I believe the floors of the building are one, one or two-way slab, meaning the exterior walls are actually bearing walls. Either one or two of the corridor walls between the existing dormitory rooms is also structural. Um, to make this building functional, you would have to remove those those walls, which would mean adding structure, probably steel, to hold up that existing slab. Um, Accessibility-wise, entrances are one of the entrances already accessible. The driveway um, entrance is not accessible, but could be made accessible pretty easily just by adding a ramp. Um, all the bathrooms, none of the bathrooms are accessible and would need to be updated completely, um, which is another expense. Um, the interior, basically block walls throughout the interior of the building. Um, the first floor is pretty, first floor is very high. Um, I believe 11 foot three floor to the underside of the structure, which is pretty high for a building that was built at this time. Um, so it's very adaptable, that first floor area. The second and third floors are eight foot seven floor the structure, which is still workable, but a little less room for ductwork and whatnot if we were to put in a drop ceiling in there. Um, and the second and third floor, the, all the functional uses are on the first floor. I think Scott's going, I mean, Sean's going over most of this stuff. The second and third floor is all dormitory use. It's all rooms, so it all have to be removed. 
Um, another thing that would kick in code requirements this building is we would be changing use. Right now it's a dormitory use with other um, types of uses mixed in with it. So that would kick in code requirements as well. Um, trying to think, there's, there's some other stuff, Sean, but it's not stuff we need to get into now. I mean, there's a lot of stained glass. Typically when you do work on an archdiocese property, they want you to salvage certain things. And one of the things they usually want you to salvage is stained glass, either by leaving it in place or, um, which probably wouldn't work for a public school or by, you know, taking it out and relocating it somewhere else. Um, the other thing, the other big thing, Sean, I came across that we didn't talk about earlier is the stairways don't, they're not code compliant as currently built. They could be made to be code compliant, but right now the door clearances aren't enough. I don't think, I think on the push side or a pull side of the door, that was like six inches. You need 18 inches on the pull, pull side, six inches on the push side. And we don't have that right now. Sorry, 12 inches on the push side and the other uh, handrails aren't compliant. So that's what I have. I don't know if anyone has any questions or if you want to, um, add to that at all, Sean. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit. So, so the program, you know, when we, when we looked at the early childhood education center, um, programmatically it was 26 classrooms, uh, that we were looking for. And, and essentially that was, uh, derived from the DRA study that was done in 2019. Um, and then similarly, you know, with the number of classrooms that we're running right now, you know, from, uh, talk to Dr. Redden, uh, some of the other uh, folks who, who who were, um, you know, uh, dealing with this daily. Uh, I think the mix was uh, 17 kindergartens in nine uh, nine pre-kindergarten classrooms. Uh, I know Dr. Redden's on tonight too, so you know you're welcome to to chime in on this too. But to fit that that many classrooms in the 45,000 square foot space that we have. Um, wouldn't work. So uh, working with Glenn, I've came up with options from, you know, looking at this through a couple different iterations on our end to see what it would take to expand Fontbon to accommodate that many classrooms. And essentially the, the expansion was over, I think it was over 20,000 square feet. And um, when we looked at that, um, you know, it, it's in line when we looked at that DRA study previously, there were there were two options for an early childhood education center. Um, the first was an addition onto the high school, which was 55,000 square feet. Um, I believe that's the one I quoted last time. And then when I went back and looked at it, Nada made me aware of it too. There was a second option for a, a freestanding uh, early childhood education center that added up to about 59,000 square feet. So there's a delta there of about 5,000. Um, with the roughly 20,000 square foot addition we would need, um, it, it brings us up to 65,000 square feet. And uh, some of the space in this existing at Fonbon, the chapel area, for example, where the stained glass is, is kind of space that you know we could convert to classrooms. It would be very costly to do that. Um, so when I looked at it, I figured that'd be better used as like an auditorium or something like that, kind of left as as it is. Um, you know, in, in regards to the uh, you know the educational components of those things, um, I'll open it up for you know Ada or Dr. Redden uh, to chime in. You know, for that because you know Glenn and I look at it from space and construction and you know cost standards uh, that are there, along with 
you know, Scott and Tim, when we did our sidewalk, so Scott, you were right about the, uh, the stairs and stuff like that. That's one of the first things you brought up when you were there. Um, so, you know, we, we can tackle those type of things, but, you know, for us as a committee, you know, Ada, you know, Dr. Redden, Selena, Betty, you know, the school committee members, we look for you to, you know, let us know does, you know, what we're building, will that fit educationally, you know, what, what your needs are too. So, um, uh, Dr. Redden, I'll, I'll turn it over to you first. Hi, thank you. Um, so I think that um, there's two questions. So putting um, the early, putting the preschools together does pool resources. So when you're talking about a special ed program, because remember we're not offering universal preschool. So that's important. So when you are supporting um, preschool and having you know, all the resources, staffing in one um, facility, I think there's a lot of benefits to that. I do think it opens up space um, at the Canadian College in particular, but I think that's almost secondary because of what you can do and what you can leverage by um, providing so much support for our neediest um, population here in Milton. That being said, um, you know, if you build it, they will come. I definitely think we have to be careful. Like when that takes care of what we have now, and um, I'm opening up potentially a new classroom next month. I've opened up the classroom last year, and that's just um, the regulations are very um, strict in the preschool. Um, you know, no matter, I could put a preschool class in the gym, for example, and 15 is the cap. Doesn't matter how big that gym is, that's the cap. The regulations are very um, strict and clear. Um, so having a preschool center for what we have now is, sounds like what Bomb Bomb would be, but um, I, I would hate to sort of pretend that that wouldn't encourage more people to sort of move to Milton, come to Milton, or move out of a, you know, a private program somewhere and um, decide to come attend Milton schools, and then we wouldn't have the space or we'd be in a very similar situation. So I do think the idea of having everyone at Thumpa sounds great and would um, definitely help out um, the both complexes, Kaneem Kalika and the Tucker, but I just want to not... I just see that Roman growing so rapidly and then having a whole nother facility and how that could potentially make it grow even faster. Okay, thank you. Uh, Ada? Yeah, <clears throat> I think Dr. Redden's right that we, we do have to think about if we build it, they will come. We saw that the last school building project and that's how we got to where we are. What we're talking about in terms of the number of classrooms for kindergarten in this new building is exactly the number of classrooms we have right now. So it doesn't have any room for expansion in numbers of classes. And if we were to have uh, more students um, attend and we needed to open another class, whether there would be room in, in this new building or whether they would need to go back into um, the elementary school buildings, I mean, that would be a decision that we'd have to make. Um, you know, educationally, I think there, there are, as Dr. Redden said, some great advantages of, of bringing our early childhood programs together in one place, just in terms of the staff being able to work together, um, sharing resources and collaborating and, and, um, I think it it would strengthen our programs. Um, uh, 
Um, but it it's it's you know <laughs> it's it's a challenge. Um, you know of, of you know are would we be building enough? Um, and and the other thing that that I've also wondered about is whether um, we shouldn't be planning for um, full day preschool as well. And we have a number of, um, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we, we discussed this last week, a uh, number of half day uh, preschool programs. And I'm not sure, did we, did we just, just decide that, that nine classrooms would be able to meet that need, Dr. Redden, do you remember? Yes, between the um, Cunningham and the Tucker, Basically, okay. we have now. Yes. Great. Great. So, so that would be that would be a great thing, and and uh, would certainly address the the need um, that we heard loud and clear from uh, parents um, this past spring when we conducted a needs assessment of uh, preschool programs. It it was um, very clear to families uh, from families that. Uh, these half-day programs are very difficult for working families um, to manage. Um, so I think that's that's all I have for now. Okay. Uh, Betty? So my, my question is not so much educational as more as about construction costs because I'm thinking about how, you know, many years ago when we built the first project, there was a push to do a lot of renovation and it turned out that some of the renovation costs were actually more expensive than new construction. And I remember a story, and I think Glenn Pavlicek, you told me the story, that when you were renovating Tucker um, and they were trying to put in new um, windows into the Tucker, the, the wall that would be supporting the windows was crumbling and had to be, um, all of them had to be re repaired significantly to even hold up the windows in place. And I'm just wondering, as you think about Glenn, the other Glenn, Glenn Hoffman, when you were talking about the renovations that would be needed at the Fontbonne site to bring everything up to code and then to um, make it work for a school, whether or not you had any idea about what the renovation costs are these days compared to new construction, because I certainly know that construction costs have changed dramatically you know, since the last school building project. But I wondered if anyone with a building background could comment on that. Hey, Betty, it's Glenn. Me and Sean actually talked about this. And I, I will tell you the hottest job in the field right now is cost estimating because the past two years, costs have just been just all over the place. It's very hard to um, very hard to determine what what it is off the cuff. I will say this, that there are certain costs associated with renovation that you don't get with new construction. One of them, like a couple of them I talked about, you know, bringing the building up to structural code. Um, but some of the stuff we'd have to do with a new building anyway, like the sprinkler system and the fire alarm mm -hmm. system, where you really save a lot of money with renovating an existing building rather than a brand new building is on the site costs and bringing in utilities and all those kind of, I don't know that they're soft costs, but they're not costs directly associated with the building itself. So you, it's, I think being, I think Sean has the right idea where at some point we really want to have a good cost breakdown of both of these options so we can really know what we're paying for and if we're actually going to pay a whole lot more for one over the other. 
Um, I hope that helps. Um, but uh, yeah, right now, like square footage cost for construction now, now that it's so all, all over the place, I wouldn't even want to throw a number out there. Um, okay. I think. All right, that helped. Thank you. Yeah, one of one of the other things I'll just chime in to Betty is, you know, I'm reaching out to different contacts that I have um, that do school building projects, whether they're renovation or brand new construction, uh, to get that those numbers. Uh, MSBA also publishes all their construction cost data uh, on their website. So uh, we're, we're jumping on their website and the graphs. I'll email that out to everybody so they can um, take a look at it themselves. And what it does is it gives a history of their uh, bid costs that they've got on different projects uh, in there. They actually publish a very large spreadsheet that shows, you know, breakdown of all the costs, MEP, architectural, site costs, stuff like that. So if people really want to dive into it. My hope is leverage the people that do this type of um, stuff, you know, daily, uh, present, you know, the, the options that we're looking at to them uh, to get those numbers. So the, it, the person I'm dealing with too is, you know, I'm hoping we can get it done uh, for very, very inexpensive price. They'll be within our kind of remaining budget that's left for school building committee. Uh, so I'm working on that now. Um, so a couple of hands up, uh, you know, Dr. Redden, you, you're first. Let's be real quick. I should have started with it would um, or emphasize that this would solve a lot. Like our preschools currently are not in ideal spaces either. Um, they don't have access to bathrooms. And again, our most severe students at Cunningham don't have access to bathrooms directly in their classrooms. They're on the second floor right by the main office. So they're going up steps. Like there's definitely a huge benefits to um, providing sort of early um, childhood center, and not to mention sort of what Ada ended with, with just thinking of full day and the implications that would have on just early learning in general and all of the schools if students had um, access to a full day preschool program in general. So definitely, I'm just, you know, starting with some of the things we talked about from our last conversation, but um, I, there's definitely a lot of um, good things um, that would come if um, students had um, early childhood center. Sure. Okay. And just one follow up on that too for you and Ada, just what you're commenting on the nine preschool classrooms that you talked about. That's nine preschool full day classrooms. We don't have them now. That would what they would turn into if, again, we plan for now and made the half of the full day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the nine that are there would represent a full day preschool program, not half day programs. I'm just point of clarification so everybody's on the same page. Sorry. Full day preschool we have now is. Um, completely um, substantially separate. So mm -hmm. that capacity there is nine. Again, no matter how big the room is, nine is the cap of those rooms. And we have three of those classrooms currently. Okay. Every other class um, is a half day um, program. And uh, so that cap is 15. So we had a quick conversation about what that would mean if we tried to go full day, what that would look like. There is the um, full day program at Tucker. Um, Glenn can speak more for that. It's not a special ed program, but it is a preschool um, program um, that has a different structure than the two I just mentioned. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Miranda. Hi. Yes, thank you. Um, so one point of clarification. So in order to be able to, I guess, have the ideal, uh, so we have enough space for all the uh, pre-K and kindergarten classrooms that we would want. 
we would want to renovate what's currently there and also make the addition of 20,000 square feet. Is that correct? That is correct. So we're looking at a project that's both sort of new construction and also the renovation, which I can tell you, I, in my day job, I do, I'm trying to, in the process of renovating a church and um, gosh, the price just keeps going up, I think every day. Um, so it is very hard to pin down a cost at this particular point. Um, and just uh, everything up to code is, is a lot. Um, but I guess another piece is that, um, I guess for us to continue to consider, and I think it's the point that Dr. Redden already made, which is that by doing both the renovation and then adding the 20,000 square feet, it's more about meeting the current, current demand, but definitely I think if we increase the number of full day, that just increases demand. Um, as well. So it's something to consider that it, it will take care of the problem right now, but it's certainly not into the future. And so we will find ourselves in a predicament, just something to continue to consider. I hate to be sort of the Debbie Downer here, but it does feel like it's a, it's something to consider as, as we go forward. Um, but thanks for clarifying that. I just was trying to understand sort of the, the magnitude of the project. Yeah, the the one if I can clarify on that one too as a point of clarification. Um, so Ada, the the preschool is currently capped, right? It, it, kindergarten is fully, you know, the enrollment there is not capped, but you do cap preschool enrollment. So, That's right. <laughs> so so you know the the seven classroom or the nine classrooms that are would be planned for an all day preschool. Um, would need to keep capped at some point. It wouldn't be open enrollment, you know, for um, similar to what you, you're experiencing in kindergarten. So, yeah. um, Mike. Thank you, Sean. And, and that's my, my question, actually. And maybe, maybe, I, maybe I've missed something here, but are, are we talking about those nine classrooms being able to support universal uh, universal pre-k program six and a half hours for for all kids similar to what they have in boston or would that take something more than the 26 classrooms and 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 so that's the first question and then the, the second question is do we think that universal a universal pre-k program is in the offing is that something the school committee um, um, might be considering so I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to answer first, and then I see Ada smiling, so I'll let her jump on next. But I think the um, the the, the uh, so the the nine the nine classrooms that we're talking about, and I appreciate you focusing on that because that's one of the ones I, I wanted to focus on too. Um, that would be nine full day preschool classrooms for the existing number of students that are enrolled. So if we took the two, the half day programs that we had and made that into a single day program, just keeping the students that are in the enrollment numbers that we have now uh, would equate out to the nine classrooms. And, you know, Ada and Dr. Redden, correct me where I go wrong. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, Sean. And, and so building nine, um, <coughs> it would just um, accommodate the same number of students. The, the, the enhancement would be that they would be with us for a full school day rather than a half a day. So currently there are, as, as Dr. Redden said, three substantially separate classrooms currently at Cunningham that are full day. 
Um, there are two classrooms um, at Cunningham that have half-day programs in each of them. So there are four half-day classes at Cunningham and one of those at... Um, at this we have three currently, one not in a full-size room at the um, Cunningham School. So we had to break it out into a third. If we joined that room, we would have two full days. So I don't want to confuse people. So the full day we currently have is completely sub-separate classroom with the cap of nine. Mm -hmm. Full nice. days that we're talking about adding. So if we like call that full day A. That's the integrated half day, still a special ed program. So the ratio is um, seven and eight. So right. seven students on IEPs, eight um, peers. So those classes went full. There's um, That would be six at Cunningham. That would be one at Tucker. And we would combine. So like, because they would be now in full-size classrooms, I, I believe. Um, so we wouldn't have to sort of break them out like we do now. Um, with the full day sub-separate classrooms. So that's where we got the sort of nine from. But again, that's for what we have right now. The good, I mean, the one thing about special ed um, preschool programs and not universal is that it's capped by law um, that way. So we it wouldn't necessarily open it up to more um, sort of enrollment. But there is that one Tucker program that is in place that... Um, you know, would be an additional class. And then um, depending on how many more spaces there are, that would be a sort of decision for the town to sort of decide how they want to um, sustain or build the preschool program. Right. And, and just in response to Mike's question about is the school committee looking at doing universal preschool program, school committee hasn't really discussed this. However, we did do this needs assessment um, last year uh, last spring, and it it definitely showed the need. And um, but the the grant program, state grant program that would fund those projects, um, are really um, uh, looking to do collabor collaboration with private preschool programs to house some of those expanded classrooms, so that it's not all in the public schools. Um, so. You know, I think that you know, what we're talking about is expanding what we're offering by lengthening the day for the same number of students, but there's still an existing need for additional students in, in, in other uh, local preschool programs. All right. Um, Glenn, you've been patiently with the hand up. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. The, um, the demand for full day... Uh, Kindergarten is there. Tucker is the one program that has a substantial waiting list for uh, students entering it because it's a full day program. You know, there's when we have when we have something open full day, we get long waiting lists. The half day ones are typically harder to fill for with uh, non special needs students, especially afternoon half day programs are especially harder to fill. So the demand is that you know in, in the you know build it they will come world. It's definitely there if you were to open, you know non you know. Uh, non-capped at 15 or nine preschool classrooms. The other piece, just to, to throw another monkey wrench into the whole piece, is if the if the building is not big enough for you know preschool and kindergarten, if we decide that that's not an option, and, uh, you were to do a renovation to you know to expand preschool in it, 
one of the things that would happen, and I've talked to um, uh, I've talked to Sumaselli about this, um, is that we have a variety of, of younger students and some older students who are in substantially separate therapeutic out of district placements, and so if there were extra classrooms there, we could conceivably bring some of those students back in to district at a you know a substantial savings. Um, if there were the spare rooms to do it. That's a positive. The negative, of course, is it doesn't do anything about the overcrowding of the schools other than take um, some kindergartens out. Um, you know, some, sorry, preschools out of, of uh, Cunningham Collicott and the one out of, out of Tucker. So, I mean, the, the building could be useful, but in the sense it's a useful in a way that doesn't really solve the greater problem of the, uh, you know, the, the overcrowding of all of the buildings. It could be part of a solution but I don't see it being a solution by itself in that sense. Um, and as I say, you know, it, it, it will be, if you build it just for what we have now, uh, I think in, you know, five years later, we'll be in a, a similar position. All right, thank you. Um, Scott? Thanks, Sean. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's a bit of a temporary solution. Um, I was thinking, more along the lines of the nuts and bolts of things. Um, so if this ends up being an early childhood education center, MSBA won't be, won't fund us, correct? I forget. I do they cut it off at kindergarten or first grade? I believe it's kindergarten. I'm not 100%. I can look into that. But I, I think it would only be the kindergarten component of it. Right, and so we, okay for preschool, but I think they do for kindergarten, right, Glenn? Okay. Yeah, the other the other kicker on that too is we have to get accepted, you know. And part I, I think what, what goes on with part of that right now is we applied to their core program, which is a new building from the ground up, uh renovation. Uh, I, I because this isn't a school, it still might fall under that. So I'm not sure, but I'll I'll check on that. Yeah, just a just a point that you know, funding well might be available for the other site, might not there might not like much be much might not be much at all available here. Um, and then just, you know, the, the fitness of the building for what we want to put in at Glenn's point of the seismic work on the second and third floor could be extremely limiting with only an eight foot seven floor to floor height. And we're trying to put some sort of structure in to resupport it. It's going, it's going to, it's going to be pretty low ceilings or areas that um, are really difficult to work with. Um, and then my final thought was just for, I know you were working on somebody to try and do some estimating. Were they going, was the plan that they would do a due diligence report as well or just an estimate? Uh, at, at this point, just an estimate. Just an estimate. Okay. Yeah. I, I can ask them about that too. Yeah. There's, there's, as Glenn pointed out, there's a lot to see there and think about. So, um, a full due diligence report before we would spend a lot of money on this location might be worthwhile. Yeah, part, partly what we're looking at too, uh, outside of you know the cost estimate that I'm looking at for there uh, is um, the additional concepts that Glenn and I have worked through uh, to engage DRA to kind of do that proof of concept too to make sure you know there are no fatal flaws and you know the diagrams that we're laying out and the walkthroughs that we've all done, but you know, really have somebody with with a sharper eye walk through it and and look at that and develop that report. Um, again, you know, 
um, echoing what you were talking about for the purchase price of it, just to make sure what we're purchasing, you know, would would fit, you know, what we're looking for there. Great, thanks, Sean. No problem, uh, Mike. Thanks, Sean. And, I, and I'm sorry if I'm I'm still not quite getting it, but but I mm -hmm. I, I think um, uh, what I understand is that, uh, and again I apologize if I'm harping on this, but I, I, I think what I what I'm what I've heard is that um, that this space would be insufficient if the town wanted to move in the direction of universal pre-K. Is that is that right? I'll open that up to Ada. Uh, it would help, but it wouldn't solve. It wouldn't become universal pre-K. No, there's we no way. No. Okay, so we we Not couldn't do space. universal pre-K with this space. No. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks, Ada. It would, yeah, it would be, it would contribute towards yep. meeting the need for, for additional uh, pre-K services, but it, it wouldn't meet the, all the need. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But if I could just kind of touch on that too, not, not to kind of, if it goes down too much of a rabbit hole, pull me out, but you know, you know, overcrowding aside, if we wanted to build this facility to house just universal pre-K, um, I'm not sure if that's what Mike was, you know, asking specifically, you know, if we built it out, uh, I, I, looking at it as a standalone project for just universal pre-K, could we do that at this facility? Oh, okay. Well, different, that's different that, question. That, that a little is yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking about it being both uh, kindergarten and preschool, and you know, with kindergarten being seventeen of those classrooms, um, nine classrooms wouldn't wouldn't solve mm -hmm. the problem. You know, could you do twenty six classrooms? Um, and that that could go a long way towards uh, addressing universal pre pre K, um, mm -hmm. but it doesn't address the overcrowding that which is what this whole project is about in the first place yep yep and i i was the only reason i was asking too is on on some of the the options we've been asked to look at you know when we looked at gal road was take the preschool component out of the facility you know the middle our option of the middle school with a preschool component in it take the preschool component out put it somewhere else potentially here uh, and then, you know, still do Gal Row, but a much smaller footprint of the building. Mm -hmm. So, not, not again, that's a, that's a deep rabbit hole. We can jump down a yeah. meeting, but um, <laughs> I think about that one. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't know if, you know, if, when Mike was asking the question about universal pre-K, you know, you know, you know, adding a little more. That just uh, what I heard him asking was different than I think what you heard. Ada, I just wanted. Yeah, to... yeah. No, that's that's helpful. Thank you. I, I think you clarified it, Sean. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Doctor Red. Just real quick, it would address the way we use the space in the building currently. So I would be able to sort of take two classrooms out of the library, for example. I would. Um, you know, we would be able to have less specialist teachers on carts. So in that way, it, I mean, yes, the same number of students would be coming to the building, but the stresses on the building based on how we use it would um, be back to the sort of um, the original intent of some of those rooms. Okay. 
when they were created. So you, you and you're talking the existing building. So you know the Cunningham School that, that you know you're principal of right now. If the preschools were taken out of there, or the, the class spaces were taken out of there, the 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 room they freed up would allow you to re reassign some of the converted spaces back to their original intent. Yes. Yes. Uh, Aqua. Just to be clear that I understand the conversation so far. Mm -hmm. Even if we um, renovate and add 20,000 uh, more square foot to the front one area, it would not be a solution to our initial ask. Is that correct? Decongesting the school. It, yeah, it's a tricky question uh, because it would decongest not be a complete solution to the initial ask we'll still need to add something else to it correct so you know if, if for example if we continued with Fontbon, went through the purchase renovated the entire interior added the additional space on and we moved the kindergarten and the preschool in there uh it would free up space at the elementary school level so you know we would check that box the one other portion that we haven't talked about, you know, as part of that option too, is uh, we need to address space at the middle school. Um, again, for that comparison to what we're looking at at Gow Road. Um, so that's that's the component. I think the past like 15, 20 minutes discussion uh, has really focused on uh, the preschool component, which right now consists of half-day preschools. And I know my daughter was there last year, you know, with Dr. Redden, you know, it was great, but it, it, you know, it was kind of, uh, well, it was great. It's troublesome to like drop off at eight in the morning, go back at 11, pick up, and that doesn't take care of your afternoon where you're still paying for daycare and have to drop them off again at a private daycare and then pick them up later in the afternoon, in the day. So I think the discussion on unit or a full day preschool, um, was there mainly of how we came across nine preschool rooms would be needed at Fonpon and just that how we how we came to that metric. So I think that was the discussion we're having. But the the problem that we're facing of overcrowding, uh, if we built out Fonpon for what we're doing, it would address the elementary school by stripping the preschool and the kindergarten out of them, alleviating space there. But again, the middle school doesn't get touched. Um, so that's a we'll separate problem. Have, yeah, that's we'll a separate have that portion. Okay. So so when would it be fair to say we're comparing both projects? Even when we're finished this, we still need to add a solution to the preschool. And maybe the committee should look at the total cost of that vis-a-vis -vis building um, the other project by Gao Road. And, okay. and is that where we're heading? That is good, good foreshadowing, my friend. Um, yeah. yeah, that is exactly where we're heading. So what we've been trying to do, like the, the Fompon option that we've been talking about these past two meetings has, um, you know, we've done kind of a really deep dive in the past two meetings to go into these, you know, we've all walked it, you know, took a look at it and stuff. Um, the, I think where we're heading with this is you know for a February town meeting we're we're going to be looked at from our at, at our committee of what's our preferred option um, and at some point we're going to have to take a vote as a committee 
on which option we want uh, to go forward uh, with as our preferred option. And then those will get presented as part of the article for the warrant. Um, it, it's I think it's going to be a little tricky with both things being discussed because it could be an either or of them. You know what I mean? That you know, if Fon Bunt didn't pass, you know, say that was our preferred option, our second option would be uh, the land swap. Um, I've got to, we've got to talk that out a little bit too, probably on our next um, agenda item to kind of figure out, you know, how we align these um, for, you know, the votes that we're doing. The purchase of Fon Bunt is kind of one avenue that an RFP has been issued. The towns, I, I believe the realtor has responded to it. Uh, so there's negotiations stuff going on along that end. The other end is the path we have to go down for the land swap, which requires a number of approvals with committees in the town. Um, and that's going to require a number of meetings and stuff like that. So um, I think Sean, it since hmm? the RFP has been issued and there's been responses, um, how does that impact the other option? What if the town engages and buys fund bond and we find it not to be a good solution how how does that affect the entire future state of our, of this project yeah it's a, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a good question that's 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 some of the work that uh glenn and myself have been working on uh looking at this and you know you scott tim everybody who's walked it and i think that's on us as a committee to look at and make that as the recommendation. You know, for the town right now, uh, the purchase of Fonbone would be decided in, at, at that February town meeting as one of the articles. Um, and, and, you know, I'm theorizing, but, you know, if we preferred Gal Road as our, our preferred option for it, the town still could go through and purchase the, the property. Um, I, I'm not sure the ramifications of how we would deal with that, but, you know, we would you know, have to work to make those additions work and look at it. I think the key thing that comes in is, you know, as we're doing that financial analysis of the cost, um, we have to look at some threshold for us as, as far as like what ceiling of costs are we willing to absorb uh, before it, you know, you know, doesn't become a good option, mainly because, you know, we'd be renovating an existing uh, space, talking about the farm bond, adding on to it making a new space there and then adding additional space onto the middle school not really fixing the middle school because you know we're not adding a new cafeteria or not adding bigger gymnasium it would just be adding classroom space on there um, and weigh that option cost wise schedule wise and then educational component wise against what we're offering at gal road so it's um complicated you know <laughs> there's a lot of stuff for us to take in over the next couple of weeks which is kind of why we're having this rhythm of meetings you know every other week uh because things are moving pretty fast right now so i just want to keep everybody abreast of you know what's going on thank you no problem any other comments on bomb button while we're we're at it and seeing none. All right. Let me just. All right. So I think I just went on a diatribe that covered the next agenda items. So, uh, yeah, we're on to, to new business, which is, you know, our special town meeting uh, that's coming up in February. Uh, as a, you know, I went over the timeline earlier. Uh, 
so what what we're looking for right now and i think you know some of the work um we'll be doing is to try to figure out, you know, what are the articles uh, we're going to include on that special town meeting. Um, so, you know, obviously the two articles that we're talking about right now, uh, the purchase of font bond, uh, and it would just be the uh, straight, uh, you know, real estate transaction for whatever negotiated price occurs uh, with font bond. And then I believe the other one that we would be going forward with is, you know, the the land swap option, uh, basically resurrecting what we did in May. Um, so as we're looking at that, um, there are a couple of things that come up too. Mainly one was uh, there was legislation that was just passed in regards to Article 97. Uh, and I think it triggers a couple of new things that are on there. Um, so there's some work we need to do, I think, on that, uh, just to get educated on how that might impact us. Um, and then, you know, as we identify, I'm hoping by our next meeting uh, to have those parcels of land from BSC group that we can kind of look at them together and hopefully at our next meeting, you know, possibly have a vote on, you know, which option of those eight parcels um, that we want to pursue as our preferred choice. Uh, that's on there and you know the um and then basically once we have that as our preferred option um start lining up meetings uh with different committees um i know one of the the meetings that i did talk to ada about is having a meeting with the school committee um and what i'd like to do is you know for any of these meetings you know that i've been i've been attending and stuff like that i, I just obviously want to open it up to everybody else on the committee and you know as if there's enough interest we can post them as joint committee meetings. Uh, I just need to know ahead of time so I get a published agenda and everything there so we can have the right amount of attendance. Um, so, you know, in regards to joint meetings, um, just open it up to see if anybody's interested in attending or assisting on some of the presentations. And I was just gonna suggest that I think December, was it December 7th or the 21st that we were talking about, Sean? Um, uh, I've, yeah, sense with, with your timing. Yeah, I think we're, we're meeting both of those. Dates. Yeah, I think the December 7th one, Ada, was to, you know, give an update for what we were doing. And then we'd be looking for you guys on your next meeting from there uh, to mm -hmm. ideally take a vote on it based on the input that we provided at the previous meeting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, as I'm looking through this stuff, you know, our, our next meeting is, uh, you know, planned out two weeks from now on December 5th. Um, like I said, is my, my goal would be to have the um, plans from BSC group in. Um, and then I, I would, as we get those, I'm not sure if everybody has been, had a chance to get out to the site to take a walk and kind of see where the stakes are out there. If not, I'd, you know, recommend you do that. Um, and then after we, come up with our plan and agree on what's what parcel we like, then we'd start presenting that to Conservation Commission and other committees. Uh, Glenn? Don't we have a special town meeting on December 5th? Do we? Yeah. All right. So we might do it uh, possibly. And I will move that date. I think I think we've heard that it's just going to be one night. Is that what you're hearing, Glenn? Yeah, it's 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 small number of articles. It doesn't look like it's going to be 
famous last words. Doesn't look <laughs> like it's going to be more than one night, but uh, it, I, I think that's likely to be a one-nighter. Yeah. Okay. And um, all right. So what I'll do is uh, I'll touch base with everybody to try to figure out you know alternate time, uh, ideally during that week. Um, even if we had to do it earlier uh, in the day, town meeting starts at what seven thirty, Glenn. So you know, possibly because you know, once we get these um, uh, parcels uh, back from BSC Group, you know, to make uh, a decision on which one we want is kind of critical. To to, I think that's the first kind of box we have to check as we start running through. Um, Mike, appreciate you jumping back in. So I, I don't know if you, I was trying to go over essentially for our, our timeline for the special town meeting, uh, a goal of, you know, our next meeting, which I planned on December 5th, but Glenn reminded me there's a special town meeting that night. So, you know, I got I to integrate that town calendar on mine. Um, but, you know, the, the goal of that is to look you know, talking about the land swap only, uh, to look at the land swap, make a determination on what parcel out of, you know, the eight options that we're looking at is our preferred one and have a vote on that, you know, within our committee and stuff. So whether we have to do that, you know, earlier in the day before town meeting, uh, you know, or uh, try to find a different time, maybe even before that uh, to do it. I just keep folks aware of that. Um, the other, the other one that comes in too, and if you can weigh in a little on it too, Mike, you know, for, for the special town meeting, um, you know, we'll, we'll, my assumption is there'll be two articles, most likely, you know, the purchase of Fompon and the land swap. So I'm trying to figure out the best way, you know, how, you know, how, how those would go, um, uh, for that. And it, if it's, if it's too difficult to answer right now, you know what I mean? I, I, there's, there's a lot of different things that have to occur. Yeah, I mean, I we've had circumstances before where there's been alternative articles, and you just, uh, you know, if the one passes, then you pull the other one back. I mean, there there is a there is a a, a, a construct here where you could say, well, uh, we we want to move forward with the land swap. Um, we want to move forward with both in the event that Fontbon doesn't work and the, the, the land swap, it would revert back anyway if it's not used. And so um, tactically and politically, that may not that may not uh, uh, do well, but you could see that just in terms of strate the, the strategy of, of, um, of building a school, it would make sense to have both available, particularly since one would revert back anyway. Mm. I'm not sure, as I said, I'm not sure that would work with town meeting. I think they're the town meeting is probably going to want to decide one or the other. Maybe not. Um, but, uh, you know, I, so I, I think um, as a committee, we'll just, we'll, the, the select board um, sets the warrant and decides which articles go in and in what order. And, uh, but I presume that this committee will make a recommendation on what we think. Uh, and, and what we think maybe we should present both options, but we prefer option A. And so we think uh, option A should go first and we'll make the presentation on option A. And if option A doesn't go forward, then we maybe we go on option B. You know, that's one way that, to, to think about it, I think. Okay. Thank but, you. And, and, I, and I'll just add, I, 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 um, um, uh, I'm sorry I harped so much on... Um, universal pre-k but it seems to me that's 
um, a big part of this decision. You know, if we're going to go down that road, any time in the in the in the near term, and you know, um, state may be going down that road. So if we're going to go down that road, or we need to go down that road, or want to go down that road, then um, we may want to we may want to think long and hard on if that has an impact on this decision. So. Okay, uh, Ada, you have the address. Um, I just was wondering where do we stand with the possibility of having DRA come in to evaluate Pompon, or do we feel like we have enough information on our own? So, so with DRA right now, um, I, I have to reach out to Carl to find out, you know, uh, estimated costs for him to look at that. Um, I, I, that's one of the emails I did not get to today or yesterday. So I'll, you know, I'll do my best to draft one tonight after this. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of things we'll be asking him to do. So I just want him to, 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 to look at it. The other part too is, you know, we're looking for a quick turnaround on it too. Right. Um, so, you know, the financial component, component of it too, you know, within our, within our, our committee, I'll be interested to see from BSC kind of how much of their, excuse me, contract they've, um, they've expended, uh, cause their contract was not to exceed. Uh, so I'll touch base on, with, uh, them also to find out, you know, how much is remaining on there and if we need them for anything further. And if we don't, um, you know, we could recoup some of that money because we, we don't, you know, the invoice will be less. Um, so, I, I, you know, the first step is reaching out to Carl, you know, see what their availability is and if, if they have availability and can do it, what the price would be. Thanks. I, I just want to respond if I, if I could, just going back to Mike's comment about universal pre-K. I mean, really, in, in the best of all possible worlds, we could do both of these projects. You know, if we did the, you know, second middle school, um, just fifth and sixth grade and left the preschool at Fontbonne and expanded Fontbonne to really become a larger uh, facility um, than the nine classrooms that we've been talking about, That then it really could be something that could meet our community's needs. And, and there is <clears throat> state funding uh, to support projects like that. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think it is an opportunity for us to consider. So I, I, I don't want to um, uh, walk away from, from that concept either. Yeah, I'm not sure, Mike, when, you know, well, you're in transit, if you heard that, uh, you know, your question that you asked Ada last time on Fonbon, I, I clarified it afterwards. Um, mainly because, you know, the, the question I think as you were posing it would be, you know, for the entirety of Fontbonne when we built it, you know, could that house a universal pre-K program? And, um, you know, I, I think Ada's initial response was based on, you know, addressing overcrowding and having that preschool program, which when, when she said it couldn't. Um, but, you know, I, I, I expanded your question a little bit more that, you know, not thinking about overcrowding, but strictly looking at, you know, uh, universal pre-K, could we build Fontbonne to do that? And then, you know, and that, because part of what's come up is, you know, opposition to the land swap or, or the, you know, the middle school option with the pre-K component at Gal Road that we proposed in May was, 
um, could we take the preschool component out of that facility, make it smaller, put it somewhere else? And, yeah. you know, if we could do that as, as part of this. And again, you know, a two-phase project, you know, that, you know, we look at Fonpon originally, and if Fonpon doesn't work, then we can, you know, have that site up there, which kind of plays in to the, you know, option A, option B that you were talking about, Mike. Yeah. Um, and, you know, ideally with that, you know, if we're going that route and just kind of thinking aloud, it would be nice to have that land, you know, under the land swap there, just in case something came up over that kind of uh, uh, period of time that we put in the clause for for it to revert back. Um, and, and that was that's been some of my thinking too of, you know, even even if we went with Fompon as our preferred option, um, I still think the work that we've done so far on the land swap. Uh, having that there for, for lack of a better word, a future school building committee, uh, if the option needed over that time frame, uh, would be very helpful for them. Yeah, yeah, and 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 even more in the short short term. Look, if there's if there's state funding available for a universal pre K program, and that could be housed at Fontbonne, um, you know, uh, either in the short or medium term, you know, then then you're really solving uh, a lot of problems with both of these projects, right? And, and if you make the, if you can make the, the, uh, the Gal Road project a little smaller without having the, the, um, the preschool um, aspect there, maybe, maybe that's gives some comfort to the, to those who were, um, who, who are less interested in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Selena? Yeah, just just for clarification purposes again, I, I mean, I think I, I hear the conversation going into this where the the choices are Giles Road or Font Bond, like that could be a choice. But to me, it doesn't seem like that's a choice. It's either Giles Road by itself uh, with that whole encompassing the solution to where the overcrowding is across the system or it's what we what I think Mike just described which is a smaller guy road project with Fontbon but it's not Fontbon by itself that doesn't address the issues that I think our committee was charged with yeah it's um yeah it seems like there's this so I'll, I'll do my best to frame everything out and, you know, um, my, I'll let you go first and then I'll, I'll jump in after. I, I was just, uh, what Selena just described is um, um, uh, where I'm, the direction I'm going in. I think I, I, I have been in, in, the, in the direction of, well, we can solve it with Fontbon and bolting on something under the middle school. That's an alternative to Gal Road. But, um, but you know, uh, uh, I think the, the, the future here is going to be universal pre-K. And if we can't solve that problem and our overcrowding, pro and our overcrowding problem just with Fontbonne or just with Guile Road, then um, it seems to me that that's pretty, uh, what Selena described is kind of the direction that my mind is going in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so if I could just kind of frame it, you know, from, you know, what I've been hearing over the past couple of meetings was, 
you know, at our last meeting, we talked about, you know, permanent options as, you know, Gow Road with the upper middle school in the uh, pre-K component, that was option one. The second option was looking at Fonbon, uh, building that out to house preschool and kindergarten, along with, you know, in addition to the middle school. And that was our second option. And I think what's coming out tonight a little bit more is, you know, do we look at Fonbon essentially as a, you know, a universal pre-K educational facility that would be there. And then Gao Road would be a, a, a secondary project of an upper middle school, no pre-K component to it. And that would strip, you know, we'd still move the fifth grade out of elementary. We would still move preschool out of elementary. So we'd solve that problem. We'd still split up the middle school as our proposal did, you know, and that. So the only difference is between, I think, the first and the third option is where the pre-K is housed. The good thing with that third option is it's a much larger pre-K, you know, uh, 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 design. And it, it gives universal pre-K where we could recoup some of the funding if state funding's there. So um, I hope that kind of puts it in perspective. That's kind of going off the top of my head. Uh, Scott? Yeah, just thinking, you know, we, we have a pretty well-defined problem with the overcrowding. Um, how do we define the need for the universal pre-K and the time in which that's needed in order to make that in as part of the project? Uh, Mike? So, well, Ada probably can speak to this better than I can. But I, but um, uh, when we did, when I was on the school, when I, well, we did universal uh, kindergarten, right? Uh, back in 2016, 15, I think it was 16, Glenn, right? Um, I think it was, it was my last year. 2008. In <clears throat> 2007 and 8 was when it began. 2008. No, I mean, in Milton, we did yeah. the, we did the, we did, we did tuition free full day. Uh, tuition free. Yeah. Tuition free. We yeah, did yeah. tuition free full day yep, yep. in sixteen, um, which is which is in my mind equivalent to universal pre K, right? So, so to me, it's a question about whether the community. I mean, and the community supported it, right? We, we had support of it at town meeting. We had we were able to get state funding, and um, and the community supported it, right? So to me, it's a question of whether the community wants it. Um, and supports it, and um, seems to, you know, I hope we're going in that direction, but I, I don't know if I have my fingers on the pulse as, as nearly as much as our school committee friends do. <laughs> well, I think I think we do know the need is there um, and, and the interest um, for full-day uh, preschool programs, there, and parents are going out of town with their kids looking for um, for preschool because they they can't get their needs met here in town and and it's challenging <clears throat> um, so yeah and and in a lot of ways this feels like deja vu um, before the last school building project that that you know I was one of those early childhood voices that said you can't build schools for the 21st century without full day kindergarten and Kind of here we are again, um, and I think we're we're at that point that that the need is truly there, and um, 
Um, I don't know about chat how chapter 70 comes into play with preschool. Glenn, I see his hand is up. So I'd be, yeah, because that, that would be different um, to play into this. Glenn? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the issues when we built the, uh, the previous schools, we got, you know, the, the money to build the classrooms that would support uh, full day kindergarten and enough of them, but we didn't have we didn't have free full day kindergarten at that point because uh, we needed the the tuition money to make it run. It didn't it didn't happen until later. And the, one of the reasons that it happened later is we made the argument based on Chapter 70 money that um, with a one time infusion of money into the program to get it started, we would recoup the uh, the additional operating funds through Chapter 70 because when our full day um, in kindergarten, you you get them, they count as a full child for chapter 70 reimbursement as opposed to half-day kindergarten. So there was a, a, a notable uptick, which I calculated at the time, as I recall, to, uh, to help sell this and say we would recoup this. So we're sort of at stage one of this again. Are we building the classrooms to support it in the hope that, you know, if the state comes through with it and is going to require full-day kindergarten, they're going to amend the chapter 70 formula so that it acknowledges pre-K. Um, right now, it only acknowledges those students who are on individual ed programs pre-K. Um, three to five-year-olds count if they're on IEPs, they don't count otherwise. But if the state is gonna push for universal pre-K, that's a change that's likely coming at some point. And our argument is sort of like the original school building project, we're positioning ourselves to be ready for that when it happens. Um, it, it may be a two-step, you know, it may be to open up the space for pre-K and eventually make it, you know, free full day to the, to the extent that the state is, you know, gets in, gets in with the support. So I think we're, we're more at the 2004, 2005 point on kindergarten than we are at the 2015 point on full day kindergarten. I think that the the one thing you know as I'm hearing about this too is you know you know right now we knew for you know early childhood education center with preschool and kindergarten together you know to meet today's needs and uh, and to house a full day preschool for the number of students that we have right now our, our number of classrooms are 26. If we were to do universal preschool you know, coming up, how, how do we determine what that number would be? Because what happens is, you know, that, that goes back to how much space we would need to add onto the building, the financial cost of that space and stuff like that. So, um, you know, in, in, again, just going off the top of my head for a lot of this stuff, you know, do we build it out for the 26 now, run it as an early childhood education center, and then as those needs come around for universal pre-K, you know what I mean? move the, the kindergarten back up to the elementary and then look at the upper middle school, you know, the, the, the other theory that we've, we've, we've come up with. So it's, it's interesting. I like it. Oh. Good to know that by the time I get involved, Glenn, it was easy in 15, 16. You know? <laughs> you know, just the other point on your last point, Sean, um, the the kidding, the um, the elementary schools do have rooms that are specifically built as kindergarten classrooms. Mm -hmm. They're different size. They have 
little bathroom facilities that you wouldn't want to put a fourth grade class in because well, they're just the wrong size. Uh, so in a sense, having everything go into Fonfon for a while with the idea that as you know, if you build the upper, uh, the upper middle on Guile Road, um, you can move fifth grade up and move kindergarten back into rooms that were designed for kindergarten, uh, expand Fonfon to a full day into a universal uh, pre-K, and if it doesn't go universal, as I said, you could always bring back some of the um, therapeutic students from out of district. Because frankly, even if we had to hire one teacher for each of them, it'd be cheaper than what we're doing right now. Um, you know that there's there's some also cost savings there that also look good. So I mean, there's there's potential in in a various different ways. The question is, can you sell that potential at at town meeting? Yeah, that's you know the the more. Uh, out of all the things that, you know, through our meetings that we've talked about with Fonbon and stuff like that, I, I think everyone, well, I don't want to speak for everyone and apologize. I do that way too much. But, you know, for, for, for me, I, I think the purchase of the building of Fonbon is a good idea for the town. You know, it opens us up for uh, possibilities that we could utilize it for, for, for different things, educationally, you know, town-wise stuff like that, you know, it's, a, it's a nice property in a good location, uh, that I think we can find, you know, uses for it. Um, and then, you know, it, as you know, you know, uh, the land swap component of it too, there's, there's no financial costs to that right now. The, the, we're not, you know, it, it's, it's a straight, um, you know, allocation of land right now that we're not asking for money for and stuff like that. We're just asking, you know, essentially for a revert or timeline that would go along with it. So, um, yeah, Mike. I was just going to say in response to Glenn, you can sell it as an alternative to a developer. Right. And that's the, it's an alternative to a developer and the, the alternative is, you know, um, well, I mean, I guess that cuts a lot of different ways depending on on the interest group, but but there's an argument there. My my thought there was, you know, if you don't want to buy it, what do you what do you think is going to go in there? You know, uh, I think it's I think that's a reasonable question. I think there's a there's a real forty B fear in this town right now, and we we're overrun with them. Um, and I think there's a fair number of people at town meeting who would vote to buy it just so to buy it to leave it empty. Frankly, if you tell them we were just going to buy it and not put anything there, I think you get a fair number of people willing to buy it just because of the, of all the other options there. And to have it as a town property, you know, how could it how could it be a problem as a town property? The only problem would be that the select board would be in charge of it. Nobody wants that. Better you than me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so you know with you know you know it seems like you know the, for the two options that we're talking about they're they're melded together you know from what i'm hearing you know three different things there you know we're looking at um and yeah you know we can i think you know for us you know we, we got to digest you know more of this discussion you know that we're having tonight um you know, and then, you know, look at it a little bit further, you know, for our next meeting, um, you know, just seeing if there's any other discussion or questions, you know, for the special town meeting, you know, portion of the agenda that we're talking about tonight. Seeing no hands. 
All right. So I think the second to last thing we have on the agenda is talking about our next meeting, which I originally listed as December 5th, which I'll revise. Um, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll reach out to everybody, um, try to find you know a, a date, uh, ideally prior to that. Um, so maybe later uh, next week on, no, we can't do it next week either. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I was thinking uh, we've got the, the holiday next week. I, I'll be in touch with everybody. We'll, we'll try to find a date um, that will work uh, for everybody. So as of right now, it's to be determined. <laughs> um, so on, you know, on that note, um, just see if anybody has any other, uh, yep, Glenn, hand raised. Sorry about that. My imagination, or isn't the holiday this week? I think we could meet next week. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's next been... week is good, John. <laughs> it, has, it has been a very long day. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah if we could meet, I, I, what I'm thinking about, you know, next week, if I could get us, you know, if we get the the stuff from um, uh, BSC group, you know, Monday, and that, you know, we could have a meeting ideally on Thursday, um, you know, just kind of work through some of that stuff, look at that. Uh, that would help get us aligned uh, for, you know, presenting to school committee the following week uh, for that too. So I'll, I'll be in touch with everyone next week. Glenn, thank you for the uh, clarification on that. I would have showed up with a turkey at someone's house on the wrong day. It would have been great. I was going to say, Sean, if you have nothing to do on Thursday, I'm sure one of us would be happy to invite you over. Uh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, Patriots are on that night too, so it's going to be good. Um, all right. So yeah, with that, like, I'll email everybody and try to coordinate, uh, that time. Uh, any, anything else, um, you know, in regards to meetings or anything like that? Yes. Aqua. Uh, can we move a motion for adjournment? Yes, sir. Uh, I'd like Betty second. Betty second. Betty second. Okay. All right. Perfect. Thank you. And we'll do a roll call vote. And I'll just call them as I see them. Uh, Aqua, you're up first. Yes. All right. Scott, Scott Tereshek. Yes. Uh, Selena Miranda. Yes. Uh, Betty White. Yes. Uh, Mike Zulis. Yes. Uh, Tim Lombard. He went on mute for a minute. I know he's he's packing and doing stuff. Glenn dropped off, and I'm a yes. So all right, perfect. Thank you all very much. Have a good night. All Happy right. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Okay. Bye, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving.